Welcome to the AJP podcast, a podcast for pharmacists by pharmacists, where we discuss current events, relevant topics and emerging issues. I am your host, Carleen McMore, and together with the AJP, I am bringing you the opinions and expertise of different pharmacists to discuss their views and insights on topics relevant to pharmacists. Please like, rate and subscribe to the podcast so that you don't miss an episode. Today we're talking to several pharmacists about the professional identity of pharmacists. Sometimes we're told who we are, sometimes we're told who we're not, sometimes we work in isolation and these can all be compounding factors that affect the way that we perceive ourselves, how we describe ourselves and how we advocate for ourselves. These are some pharmacists explaining how we might be where we are, how we can move forward and what skills or learnings there are from what has already happened to help us move into the future. Rachel Diener and Peter Prothers discuss different identities professional values and getting involved. They also discuss the perceptions from other healthcare professionals, the definition of a profession and what definition of a pharmacist. Go back and read Hepler and Strand. You know, the pharmaceutical, the, the seminal articles that appeared in the, was the American Journal of Clinical Pharmacy? What, what was it? One of the American journals in the, in the late 1980s, but, you know, Google it. Linda Strand and Charles Hepler, or Doug, two of his friends, um, uh, where they articulated the, you know, what what contemporary pharmacy practice uh, was about, and it and it's, we've moved on from there a little bit, but it's but it's an absolutely compelling analysis, I reckon, of um, of of pharmacists as clinicians. Although they, they, they don't use those words. But I think that's a good starting point. Um, but, yeah, identity is really important. And it can be a good thing or a bad thing. Um, so, you know, tribal identity, uh, in the sense of, you know, white supremacist or, you know, Muslim radical or... or you know those sort of tribal groupings um, can be quite can be quite a destructive thing. You know, I, I, if identity's strong enough and fierce enough, it it sort of sort of drives out love. <laughs> it sort of drives out respect a little bit. So, but but nevertheless, it's absolutely essential to have an identity. And and you know, I think professional people have. To some extent, to allow themselves to be defined by their by their professional values and ethics and purpose. Um, so I, th- I think it's important for pharmacists to sort of familiarise themselves with the well, you know, I would say the important literature, and uh, and I think the most important thing ever written about it um, was the, was the, the those articles on pharmaceutical care. You can probably find the citation somewhere, um, but. Um, I actually knew the. I actually got to know the authors, and um, which was absolutely inspirational as well. But the other, but the other thing is, go you know, come to conferences, um, get involved. You know, the, because there's no better way to sort of pick up collective identity um, than you know to be with six or seven hundred of your peers um, for two or three days. You know, doing stuff that you you're genuinely interested in, and. And get involved with things like early career pharmacist, or, or you know whatever floats your boat. 
you know, I've got a daughter who's a hospital pharmacist and she's getting quite passionate um, about hospital pharmacy. I really hope she joins the Society of Hospital Pharmacists, you know, gets on the gets on her local SHPA committee or, or so. These are all these are all good ways of understanding, you know, who we are and what we stand for. I think after spending um, last night with a group of the ECPs, you know, the, when, when they come for their first conference, it's always like, wow, this is so, you know, the, mm. the sh shared purpose, as you say, and mm. seeing other people's passion and um, absorbing that passion and, um, and just seeing that, like, it is a tribe. There is a tribe of people. Mm. Um, I think also there's, you know, part of that is... Um, the fact that you know how do other health professionals see us what what, what is that our identity are we respected and i you know i think i've mentioned this before i really feel that that's our responsibility to where you know into the future roles will change and everything will change but to continually make sure that um the extended health team or just people that you're working with you know in a collaborative process actually understand what we're about and what the purpose is and I do I think just even the phrase and this is just to me the phrase of standing for quality use of medicine and patient-centered care like if I had to sort of like just use a couple of lines as to what my identity that's my role patient-centered care quality use of medicines optimal outcomes and you know everyone has their own thought process on how to simplify that massively um, but um, I haven't read that paper so I'll have to make sure that I, <laughs> that I source that out I was I was working at PSA at the time and we used to subscribe to a lot of the international journals and there were four of us working at the time uh, Leanne Caper who if you've never met wonderful just inspirational pharmacist Ross Holland, who, who was largely responsible for the founding of the Australian College of Pharmacy. Bill Kelly, who, who got an award yesterday, and me. And, um, and we, we used to, for some reason, they used to send us three copies of this journal. And, and I, I got my copy and I read this article and I, and I immediately took it down to the owner and I said, just read that, just stop what you're doing now, just read that and, and come and tell me what you've, um, you know, what you think. And I went back to my office and, and in 10 minutes, you know, Leanne was coming through the door with, with this thing and Bill appeared from his part of the building with his copy and Ross appeared with this. He said, Have you read this? And we, and we all just we all just went off. It was just, just incredible. But can, can I just say another thing about identity and just come back to something I said before about the word profession? And where it comes from, you know, it comes from the verb profess, and 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 it's usually a a, fa a belief statement, okay. And 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 what's pharmacy's belief statement? You know, what's our profession? What's the what's the statement that captures our our purpose? You know, and it, and I don't know exactly what it is, but for me, it runs something like, um, <coughs> pharmacy exists to ensure the safe and optimal use of medication for the for the greatest healthcare benefit. And and just having something like that, you know, to filter things through is is really important, you know, because pharmacy is a belief system. 
and um, as much as anything else. And just understanding at the, at the sort of highest helicopter level, you know, what, what that is, and just using that to, to sort of analyse and process um, the things that come into your life professionally helps a lot and and there's not a lot of there's not a lot of dispute about that you know the I mean you know the people who run the trashiest community pharmacy operations in, in our society uh, couldn't actually argue very much against that sort of statement and so it shouldn't be that hard you know for us to agree agree what our purpose is. It's interesting in um, working with pharmacies around change management, you know, it's simple, let's do these things because, you know, we know that you need vision mission statements. And sometimes you'll say, oh, look, what's your vision mission, you know, for the pharmacy or for your practice? And they look at you like, oh, it's a waste of time. In our original trial in change management a few years ago, the 30% of, and translated into later outcomes as well, the 30% of the pharmacies who just went, here's ours, but now we've got, you know, all G'd up about what we want to do and how we want to change what we're doing and, you know, optimise, you know, patient-centred care. And then they'll change it and they all know where they're going. They can all align to it. And it doesn't matter if it's perfect, you know, as long as there's this ideology that this is, you know, what we stand for and it, we've got a direction... They just progressed, you know, they, they, yeah. they had that identity, this is us, we let our client base know that this is us and those who want to come for that experience and align with our mm. vision and mission, you know, then we're all going to be like not bashing our heads against brick walls. But it's just so important, but it's amazing how often I get, you know, you can pick it up in the, the look, they look at you like, what a waste of time, what do you want me to do that for? It's just like have a go at it and it's a really good way as well of bringing all of your team having input into what they see the collective vision, mission, identity or you know as individuals and as a collective are so that I think as well when you work towards you know your vision then it's very rewarding when you can see yep we are actually achieving that so, yeah, I mean, simple little processes that, you know, more on a team basis, I guess, but also on an individual basis. What do I stand for? Why am I in this? Mm. What do I want to achieve? Yeah, why am I doing all this really complex, ambiguous stuff? You know, what, what, what holds it together? Amanda Cross and Amy Page discuss discount pharmacy with regards to perceptions and isolation. I've worked for 10 years in a discount pharmacy and it really frustrates me that the first thing that everyone will say is that the service, the pharmacist, the quality is horrible. Like there is that lack of understanding and then that affects, I don't think people understand that that affects the identity of themselves as well. Um, there are amazing services that happen in all pharmacies and there are amazing pharmacists that work in all types of pharmacy in all types of setting. And attacking one type of setting, practice, group of people, whatever it is, does a huge amount of damage. I think it does a huge amount of damage too when we consider the number of our 
new graduates and younger pharmacists that are working in discount pharmacies that then they actually feel more isolated and unable to come along to um, professional events. Mm. Um, and if you and ask CBD. them where they work, they'll say community pharmacy rather than specifying because they don't want to have, particularly within person they don't know, they don't want that instant rejection feeling. And it's it's really sad. Yeah, we need to be including everybody and not... Um, not isolating people based on where they work. Yeah. Steve Morris talks about the support for emerging pharmacists and pharmacy leaders. Well, I think what I'm addressing is, I think it's incumbent on leaders within the profession, um, both senior people in the profession, to kind of address that issue around what challenges exist in the profession and what they can do to support it, and where possible for provide mentorship. And parallel to that, it's about how we support our young emerging pharmacists as future leaders because the nature of any profession you know progression comes through strong leadership and vision and so we need to support those emerging leaders within our profession but also the more senior people in the profession it's incumbent on them to support those who are just coming into the profession because that skill set is going to be critical for a future impactful role of pharmacists in terms of patient outcomes so it's down to leadership vision and supporting our young, new, emerging leaders. Amanda Cross discusses the lack of unity in our profession. Professional identity, I think, yes, as a pharmacy profession, we do struggle at times. And one of the contributing factors, I think, is the lack of unity within our profession. Um, So that's the sort of infighting, I guess, between community pharmacists and hospital pharmacists, accredited pharmacists and different sectors or whether that's um, independent pharmacies versus discount pharmacies. And until we can sort of all work together and build our profession, then that that sort of infighting, that lack of unity is going to come across to other health professionals and to the public and that does damage our identity. So until we can work to bring the whole profession up we can't sort of expect to have that clear professional identity. Tinu Abraham and Taryn Gill discuss pharmacist training, scope of practice, networking, backing yourself and your wide array of knowledge. It's the way we're trained so pharmacists, uh, doctors are taught you know um, these are your options, right or wrong, you make this decision and you go forth. We're like taught our languages. Perhaps we should trial, recommend and refer. Like we never make any... Um, yeah, yeah, we don't commit to things. And you kind of sometimes see that in our, um, like our, our leadership in, across the profession generally in the way they approach things versus maybe they may and RACGP do. Um, but I think like it's becoming clearer and clearer that we have quite a broad sc- uh, scope of practice. You can be a generalist or you can be a specialist and we've got the advanced practice credentialing as well. Um, and I think it's about uh, probably coming to conferences and networking and sort of forming an identity there and then committing to it. And, oh, and it's also okay that the identity may change as you go. Um, and then, yeah, I think backing yourself, like how you said in your first year out that pharmacist said to you that you know your stuff, mm. be confident, back yourself. Uh, if if I could like, you know, 
emit some confidence waves out to all these pharmacists <laughs> about going, whatever you do each day, if you're crossing your T's and you're dotting your I's, you're doing a good job. Um, and then just back yourself and then it'll it'll just form. That identity will form. Um, and I think pharmacists should at the very least know one thing and it's that we're medicines experts. Mm. Whether you know how to give a jab or wound, address a wound or um, be a diabetes educator, that's all extras. You're a medicines expert. So if that, that could be the identity, that should be enough. Mm, that's right. And I guess pharmacy in a way is like, um, if you're comparing to like doctors, GPs, we are, we, you have general, so you can feel like you've lost your identity because you've got general knowledge of all this medications. We are required to know a lot about a lot of, uh, a lot about a lot of stuff. Um, it's probably easier to feel like you've got an identity for a specialist cardiovascular pharmacist, a specialist. But we are, we are the people that know about, um, we know about your wound care, about the medications, and about the latest fragrance in the mm. airplane as well. So, um, as Taryn was saying, just be confident that you're a medicines expert, but also, um, I, even with my friends that are GP, they do sometimes feel that way as well, because they don't have in-depth knowledge of just one thing. It is a normal feeling sometimes, just, it's a normal feeling that we all sometimes get, but it is amazing that we are people capable of having this wide array of knowledge, and just be proud in that, that, you've, that you are a pharmacist, and yes, you have knowledge about almost everything in your shop. Yes. Hopefully. <laughs> Ross Yuki discusses pharmacists and decision-making. He also discusses the old vision of a pharmacist and how pharmacists handle ambiguity. He also shares on the culture of pharmacy, as well as the identity of doctors and pharmacist personality traits. I think the first thing is that we actually start talking about it because it wasn't something that we really ever talked about uh, very much. So, uh, you know, as much as I didn't want to sling mud in the face of a pharmacist, maybe that's what's necessary. Maybe a slap in the face or kick in the rear is what we need to say, oh, I guess we, uh, we better pay some attention to that. And, and so I think that that's, that's kind of what we, 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 need to, we need to address some of these questions that are difficult. Uh, so, uh, you know, my colleague Zubin Austin, who, who uh, him and his student, uh, uh, wrote that that particular article, and he's written a number of other ones. You should look up his stuff. Wow, uh, because he also looked at uh, pharmacists and decision making, and pharmacists have developed this extremely complicated uh, mechanism to not make decisions. Like it's convo- completely convoluted. Uh, you just you know, there's. They try to to to, um, to justify all these steps in order to not make a decision. So that's another black eye, uh, and 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 again, I'd rather know that than not know it. But it it, uh, it makes me shake my head. And, and so this is again something where I don't like the answer, but we need to do something about that. We need to we need to. Um, Okay, I'd rather know it than not know it, uh, but we need to do something to, to fix that. My analogy for that, the way I tend to describe that is, is you can have a clinical conversation with a pharmacist and they'll talk to you intelligently on that topic for as long as you want to and tell you say to them, okay, now what would you do in this situation? And they go, yeah. oh, well, I don't know, what would the doctor do? You know, Regardless of how at length they could talk about it, ask them to make a decision, they'll be like, oh, I don't know. 
denier of what thing I would do. Uh, the, the most they'll do is they'll say, they'll say, well, you could do this or this or this or yeah. this. Which one? I want to know what you want, yep. what you would do, right? Yep. And, uh, and that's, uh, th that's something we have to overcome. Uh, and if you're going to be a prescriber, you need to make those decisions. Uh, you need to, you need to, to recognize that sometimes you're going to be wrong. <gasps> you know, you're going to be wrong. And, and, uh, and, but you need to make that decision. You need to get comfortable with that. Uh, and, and, you know, we wrote a paper years ago on, uh, that's been highly, highly cited that, uh, you know, the biggest enemy of pharmacists are pharmacists. The biggest barriers to changing practice are, are pharmacists themselves. And, and we have these, these innate characteristics that were probably very well suited to dispensing drugs accurately, uh, which was, you know, the old vision of, of pharmacy, what a good pharmacist would be. You would be super systematic, uh, very, very precise, but that doesn't help with patient care, which is, is kind of messy uh, and, and gray, not black and white. And, and uh, so we, we talked about the, you know, these, these personality traits of pharmacists that, that uh, are, are um, uh, again, not very flattering, but hold us back. So uh, paralysis in the face of, of uh, ambiguity, like complete paralysis when patient care is often uh, ambiguous. Uh, uh, an extreme need for approval. We always want somebody to approve what we're, we're doing, particularly for something new. Uh, we, we have this strong desire uh, to do that. Um, things like, uh, um, uh, you know, also tending to be quite mild-mannered and meek, uh, you know, to, a little too humble. Uh, humble is good. Uh, remember, I come from a faculty of medicine, so humble is good. But too humble means that uh, you're not going to exert yourself uh, and, and you're not going to do your best uh, for your patients. Uh, and and that, that probably explains why decision-making is, is not particularly good uh, either. So, so um, you know, there's, there's a, a number of characteristics of, of pharmacists that... Uh, uh, seem to to uh, work against us, and what I'm not sure of is, do we make people that way, or do we select out for people like that? It's probably not one or the other. It's a, probably a bit of both, uh, but but culturally, we we may actually force people to to be like that, uh, and that's got to stop uh, mm. as well. But even just recognizing that, that's the first step. But we got to do something about that to make it unacceptable for you not to make a decision. Yep. I do. It's interesting as well when you're talking about cultural and uh, identity of pharmacists, and that it's it, I, my experience dealing, say, with um, some of the medical profession, and there is definitely a culture within medicine, at least here in Australia, that a doctor is correct. The culture within medicine is that we are correct about what we're saying. And it doesn't matter what it is that you're talking about and whether that really is correct or not, not only am I correct, but everybody else who is a doctor is going to back me on that particular thing that I'm correct about. Mm -hmm. And it's quite interesting to see um, how effective um, doctors are at doing... Thank you. Doctors are at backing each other. 
you know, if, if there's any controversy out in, especially on social media, you'll see two or three pharmacists willing to comment and doctors will just kind of wish, here they all are. Mm-hmm. And Carleen has made notice this a few times as well. So I have a reputation. People know me through social media and we'll run into people and they'll say, I see you commenting on that. I'm glad you are because we need somebody commenting on it. And Carleen mm-hmm. usually says to me when somebody says that, why aren't they... Yeah. Why aren't they getting in there and having a comment as well, even if they don't disagree with me? We do suffer uh, severely. That's that's one of the other personality traits that holds us back is is a lack of self confidence, uh, extreme lack of self confidence. Uh, and, and so, um, somebody who's not self confident is not going to venture into that because uh, uh, we, you know, the other the fourth personality trait is desire to please, extreme desire to please. That's not a bad thing. But the opposite of that is not wanting to, to anger anybody either. Uh, and and um, sometimes you have to break a few eggs. <laughs> so so um, we have to get over, we need to understand those, those personality traits a little bit better. Uh, and uh, we need to, um, because the, the, you know, there are approaches uh, that we can take. Uh, and so, you know, this, this, I get really tired of this uh, lack of self-confidence thing. Uh, just, you know, it just drives me uh, uh, crazy. Um, I don't think it's good to be overconfident either. Uh, and I see a lot of that where I come from. Um, but, uh, but, you know, uh, I think uh, that's where physician culture is too far on one side. Uh, I think the right place to be is somewhere in the middle. We're the opposite end of that spectrum. Yeah. Right. Pharmacists are good with facts. Doctors are good with the unknown, and it needs to be a lot more overlap. Pharmacists can't just play in the known. You know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you need to take a stand and uh, and back it, and you're not always going to be right. Lauren Burton discusses the White Paper Consultation and Pharmacist 2023 PSA document. She also discusses practicing to full scope and makes suggestions on how pharmacists can discuss professional identity and how this can affect job satisfaction, sense of self and confidence. When it comes to thinking about the identity of a pharmacist, that's a really, uh, really interesting thing to consider. I think with regards to when we had the Early Career Pharmacist White Paper consultation, one of the things that came, came up time and time again is how do we define the role of the pharmacist? Um, and both within ourselves, um, to our, our our colleagues that we work with in healthcare, and then to our patients and consumers. Um, and no one could really articulate what the role of the pharmacist was. And um, because we find ourselves working in such a broad variety of healthcare settings, we often relate the role of the pharmacist to the context within which we find ourselves. Um, but what PSA is doing now with the a medication safety report with pharmacists in 2023. Um, I think that's helping to shape the role of the pharmacist and really we are essentially the subject matter expert when it comes to medicines management. And we're starting to appreciate more and more the medicines management you know, spectrum, the scope and, and the parts that fit within medicines management. But that's easy for me to say for someone who's immersed in an environment where these conversations happen every day. And I can imagine when you're a pharmacist and you reflect on your training and what you believe you can contribute and you're in a workplace where you don't think you have any ability to demonstrate that, 
um, that that would contribute to a question about what it means to be a pharmacist and what your identity is and what your role is within healthcare. Um, I often find that um, pharmacists reflect on uh, interactions with patients and being able to uh, talk to the patient and get a sense of what the patient valued about their interaction with them as a pharmacist really helps um, create a sense of identity and for people to understand, well, I made this contribution and so that's my role in that patient's health care. Um, and being able to reconcile that um, is a really important thing, taking that time to actually listen and think, I, that's what I did and that is my role and that is unique to me as a pharmacist. I think also as we continue to discuss about new and emerging roles and what it means to practice to full scope, um, our identity will continue to morph and it's a dynamic thing. Um, but you know, medication safety, quality use of medicines and medicines management is what we're all about. Um, and I would encourage you know any pharmacist who is struggling with their identity and their professional selves to go and find some colleagues um, out there, come, come, come to a PSA event, come to an ECP working group event, um, you know, find some, some people who you can bounce that conversation off and just have a chat about it um, and, and see what you can come up with because it, I think it really affects people's job satisfaction and sense of self um, and their, and, um, uh, their confidence, um, whether or not they have a strong identity about about what them, it means to be a pharmacist in whatever environment they're working in. Yeah, it's a tricky one. I think PSA needs to continue to work on that. I think we need to continue. To, we often talk about we need to make sure that um, whatever we're doing, um, we're bringing everyone along um, and we need, continue need to need to focus on how we help those who, who don't feel like um, they have a strong professional identity out there. Um, and ensure that um, we include them in the conversation and wherever we can have touch points with them to help um, define that more strongly. Amy Page discusses a PhD on professional behaviours in pharmacists, as well as discussing mystery shoppers. I think professionalism and professional behaviours link in to the professional identity as well. It's really important that we remember we're pharmacists all the time, not just while we're at work. Um, Deanna Mills in South Australia is undertaking a PhD with me at the University of Western Australia on professional behaviours in pharmacists because we're um, interested in this exact area. Um, One of the reasons for this interest was mystery shopper work in WA that showed that not one pharmacist actually demonstrated the correct technique of an asthma puffer. Um, But when they did focus groups, every pharmacist said that every time they supply an inhaler, they counsel on the technique and demonstrate technique. So there's a disconnect between what pharmacists say that we're doing in practice and what we're actually doing in practice. so hopefully Deanna's work will overcome some of that and have a look at what's what professional behaviours pharmacists are actually exhibiting um, and perhaps we will be able to use that to come up with some strategies to improve things. Deanna Mills talks about the confusion about where pharmacists fit in and the follow-on effects. There's a lot of research, I think, coming out of Canada talking about professional identity. Um, 
And it's interesting, if you read that research, it seems that pharmacists are a bit confused. Um, Their conclusions are essentially that we sort of fit into a few of the categories and no one category when they're defining professional identity. Um, And I think whether you have an understanding of the psychology behind that or not, what that says to me is that we're a bit confused about where we fit in. And because we're a bit confused about where we fit in, um, it has made it hard in the past for us to expand our scope or to maintain good practice or to maintain viable businesses, for example, in community. So I think that it is an issue and I think that it probably affects where the profession is today instead of maybe having advanced a lot earlier than we um, have. Um, But it'll be interesting to continue to watch that research space because I think they're going to delve into that a lot deeper and hopefully from that we can start to see some areas that perhaps we can work on, whether that be it's the sort of nature of the people that choose to do pharmacy or if it's a learnt behaviour at uni or during our work life and we can improve on that Um, and that's going to link to our assertiveness that's going to link to our quality of practice if we know who we are and what we're doing better and have a stronger professional identity I think that that will just underpin everything that we do I get the feeling that a lot of who we think we are is us listening to everyone else and maybe that's because our professional like identity is very poorly formed, but hopefully they work out what might be going on so we can fix some of it. We hope you have enjoyed this episode of the AJP podcast. If you have any comments, questions or suggestions about this episode, please visit the AJP forum at ajp.com.au and join the conversation. If you have any suggestions for future topics or would like to participate in the podcast, please send an email to ajppodcast at appco.com.au or follow us on Twitter at AJPPodcast.